Good morning. Good to be here and to be asked to stay. <laughs> That's always a blessing. What I love about Calvary Chapel is the relaxed atmosphere. I believe that's the way the Lord wants it. Especially, you can dress casually and enter into the presence of God. I don't think Jesus changed clothes on the Sabbath. (laughs) He, He just dressed the same and kept it simple. But I don't know if I've ever, I don't think I've been privileged to do a Sunday, but I, if I haven't, I want to tell you a story about a church outside of Texas. Maybe, I hope you haven't heard it. But uh, it's a very wealthy church outside of Dallas. And the parking lot was just immaculate. They had little islands with flowers and beautiful trees, just black top and the perfect lines. And every car in the parking lot, either a Rolls Royce or a Mercedes or a BMW. And nobody entered that church, a little nice white church with a steeple, without a a suit and a tie. And the ladies naturally had the big dresses and the magnificent hats. That's how you went to church. And the preacher would always stand out there Sunday morning in his robes, beautiful robes and a little white collar, welcoming people. And so they'd all come in and he'd welcome them. And after they're in the church, he'd turn around and go back in the church. He's just about to turn and he looks off at the far end of the parking lot and he sees a cloud of dust and he looks a little harder and there's some guy coming in off the range that had been keeping the cattle and dirt is flying everywhere on his parking lot hitting the parishioners cars and because this guy's been out in the field with the the steers and man is just coming right through the parking lot and so the preacher just watches him and he comes right up to the steps And he's got stuff, you know, flying off his chaps and boots. And he gets off the horse and takes his hat and slaps his chaps and the dust flies. And he just goes, big water, tobacco goes out on a step. And the horse immediately goes over to the flower garden and does his morning thing. Right in front, he starts eating the flowers. And the preacher goes, uh, are you coming to church here this morning? And the cowboy says, I think I'll give it a try. <laughs> so he walks up the steps, and his spurs are clinking and dirt flying, and he walks right in and walks through the, the aisle. And as he walks through, everybody starts staring at this man. He doesn't have a nice suit on or a tie, and there's manure and dirt flying off his boots on their nice carpeting. And he sits down, and the poor preacher can hardly concentrate. All he sees is this guy, he smells, he's not dressed nice, he's got dirt on our floor. And so he gets to the message, and everybody is out, and he's shaking, they're all, you know, schmoozing them and telling them how great the nothing was. (laughs) Out they go, and they get in their car, and here comes the cowboy. He puts his hat on and takes his mail pouch and stuffs it in his cheek. And the preacher says, excuse me. Do you plan on attending here next week? <laughs> he said, well, maybe I will. He said, well, I want to make a suggestion to you. We dress a certain way in this church. And if you think you're coming back here next week, I'd like you to ask God how we dress in this church. He says, well, all right, I will. And he gets down, gets on his horse, and <laughs> off he goes through the parking lot. The preacher can't even sleep all week long. 
He's worried about it. It might come back. He's having trouble putting the sermon together. So finally next Sunday comes, and he's out there in the, in the front. And sure enough, here comes the cloud of dust. And oh my, he's just, you know, he's got to go through this all over again, he thinks. And here comes the cowboy, same old routine. Hooey! Tobacco goes out in the garden, takes his hat, the horse gets over, starts eating the flowers. And he walks up and the preacher says, <clears throat> Wow, because <laughs> he hadn't changed at all. He's got more dirt flying off of him. He says, I, I guess you didn't talk to God and ask God how we dress in this church. He says, well, I did. He told me he's never been in this church before. <laughs> he doesn't know how you dress. <laughs> I don't think the Holy Spirit is that concerned. It's, it's our hearts, right? I've had the privilege of, of being here more than once now, several times, and getting to know Many of you, particularly the staff, and uh, just um, it's always a privilege and an honor to be here. I've, I had the privilege and honor of fellowshipping with uh, Bruce and Teresa, uh, who the Lord uses. And I had a message prepared, and then Bruce shared this amazing story on a song that was written and the background of why the song was written. And it just really affected me in such a way and it's that song in his time it's an old Calvary Chapel Goldie uh, not a moldy but a Goldie and that's the way God operates in his time he makes everything beautiful everything and because he's outside of time he's I am you see I am covers everything the Alpha the Omega he's before anything was Nothing happens that he's not aware of ahead of time, or he'd be less than God. He doesn't have to find something out. He knows everything. He's the I am, indescribable, incomprehensible. Eternally, he will reveal more about who he is. And that's the blessing of knowing the I am who became a man and walked this earth as a Jewish man named Yeshua, Jesus to make everything beautiful in his time. No matter what has happened in the past to damage anything, it didn't catch God by surprise. He makes all things beautiful in his time. Nothing's accidental. He works all things to the good, to those that love him and are the called according to his purposes. So no matter who you are today, you see, whatever has happened in your past, this is the God of the Bible who will make all things beautiful in his time. And today could be your time, no matter what's happened in your past. He loves you so much. He's in control of everything. And when it's all over, you see, we'll be back outside of time. Time is just a little temporary thing. And you see, before there was time, before there was any space or matter or energy, anything, God existed, and then he brought things into being, and something happened. And so the purpose of Jesus Christ's coming is to make all things beautiful in God's time. And some of you, it's already happened. You've met him, and you know you're forgiven. You have a blessed eternal hope, a living hope. You know you have a God who forgives you 
who has described his throne as a mercy seat, the throne of grace, that no matter what the need is, we can go there in that time and find mercy. That's all you'll find at the mercy seat, mercy. And that's where he waits for people to make all things beautiful in his time. Because before we know God, you see, we can really be destructive in our own lives, in others' lives, and have no idea that God is so willing to forgive or that God is aware of everything and God knows and understands. And he's always just waiting for anybody who says, I want you to make my life beautiful. This is my time. And he will. And it may be for somebody here this morning. So turn to Genesis chapter 1, please. <laughs> now we know by the scriptures, before he laid the foundation of the earth and brought space and matter and time and energy into being, he already existed and he had already created the angelic host, the sons of God, the invisible realm. But now he's bringing things into, into the, the visible realm, the things that we see, that we can touch that's tangible that affect you and I you see it's all a process of him revealing his great love his grace and mercy which he didn't have to do that by the way you see he was completely fulfilled and satisfied within himself if he needed to create something to feel better he wouldn't be God he'd be less than God the whole matter of our existence in this universe is an expression of his love that he wants to share with the people he's created, even the people that have fallen. And yet ahead of time, he knew it all. Here in Genesis chapter 1, verse 1, notice, in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. He didn't put things in motion that took several thousand or million years to process through random chance and carbon meeting something in the atmosphere. It says he created things with his fingers. He spoke things into existence because he's God. Just as he spoke himself into existence that we could see who he is when he clothed his voice with human flesh and walked the earth. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth, and everything has a beginning. He didn't, but we do. And because we've had a beginning and we're finite, it's hard to grasp the infinity of God that he always was. And the amazing thing is, he knew each one of us before the foundation of the world. He had love for you before you even brought into being, before the universe was brought into being. Because in his omnipotence, he knew everything when it would exist. At the time that it would exist, he knew what would happen, and he knew how he would make it all work to the good and make it beautiful in his time, no matter how damaged it was. You see, we're in this little earthly realm of time and space, marching along in our parades every year. This is, you see, he's outside of time, and he's watching us all. He sees the beginning. He knows where you are today, where you're going to turn left in the parade, where the parade is going to end. He sees it all at once. We don't. We just see where we're marching along at the moment. See, he knows everything about your life. The beginning where you started, he knows where the parade's going to end for each one of us and for this universe. And time is over and we're back into eternity. Time is just a little short blip. Uh, have you ever seen the, you know, in the medical things and the doctors, you see the, the flat line going across? Well, here's time. 
Genesis 1 to the end of time, after the kingdom age, and we go into eternity, the eighth day, a new beginning, you see. But in that time, something happened. There's a virus and a little blip in time. Some 6,000, 7,000 years because of sin. It's just a little blip. And then it's going to be over. We're back in eternity. We're in the little blip. But because we live 50, 60, 70 years, we think, oh, life life is so long. No, it's just a little blip out of eternity. (laughs) So he begins time, matter, space, energy. He's got an invisible realm watching because Job was given the revelation in 38, 4 through 7 that all the sons of God, every angelic being ever created that existed, all of them, they sang and praised and shouted for joy as they saw something else coming. We don't know how long they were in the invisible realm, how long he had them before time that they existed, but they rejoiced and shouted with joy. Something new is coming. And it's like a big glob of mud, clay, because it says his fingers began to mold and shape the earth. Just as he molded and shaped you and I in the womb. And knowing each purpose for our lives before he even created you in the womb. And just like our own lives, Until he begins to move in his marvelous grace with these marvelous, loving, powerful, omnipotent hands to make something beautiful in his time. The earth was without form and void and darkness was upon the face of the deep. He takes a life that's out of shape, out of form, chaos, nothing but dirt, we're dirty. And he begins to mold and shape in a beautiful way to bring something beautiful. And the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. Literally, in the Hebrew, the Spirit of God, is, it means when it moved, it fluttered its wings like a gentle dove. God's using the Spirit of God, and as the Scriptures state in other portions of the Bible, that the Spirit of God was involved in the creation. In a gentle way, the Spirit of God moves gently, fluttering wings like a dove. That's literally what it means in the Hebrew. And then the next thing God says, let there be light. And there was light. And God saw the light that it was good. It's amazing how we react when we see the light. It is so good, isn't it? Oh, I've seen the light. Well, who is the light? Who declared in John chapter 8, verse 12, I am the light of the world. Jesus Christ himself. And that's so good. And that light divides light from darkness. How it changed our lives, changed your life. You, you and I both have gone from darkness to light. We enjoy the light now. We don't seek darkness to cover up and hide and keep secret. Do things that we hope nobody finds out or watches. We've seen the light. We've experienced the light of the world, Jesus Christ, and it's so good. And it does make a division in our whole lives, doesn't it? God called the light day, and darkness he called night, and the evening and the morning were the first day. So what do you have here right in the beginning? You have the revelation of the Trinity. You have God the Father, God the Spirit, and you have light, the light of the world, Jesus Christ. The sun wasn't created, didn't even need to be created. God doesn't need the sun. 
Turn to uh, Revelation chapter 22. John's given the revelation of glory, paradise, heaven. And the first thing he sees is a river that's pure. There's purity there. There's life there. It's the water of life. You don't have to worry about what you drink there. We'll be satisfied with good, pure water. It's wonderful to experience the light of the world, Jesus Christ, and enjoy water now. Pure water. Clean. Clear as crystal. Proceeding out of the throne of God and out of the Lamb. And of the Lamb. In the midst of the street of it, on either side of the river, there was the tree of life, which bare twelve manner of fruits, yielding her fruit every month. Continual blossoms. I'm, I'm personally convinced in glory the trees are going to blossom and have flowers and continue. There will be no downtime, no shedding of the leaves, no weather patterns. It's when paradise restored. Every month it's just producing fruit. And the leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. A, a wonderful preventative. We just think we're going to be enjoying eating in glory. <laughs> and don't have to go to Jenny Craig <laughs> or worry about it. Don't have to worry about carbs and saturated fats and glutens and hootens and putins and whatever. It's amazing what we have to worry about now. But there's so many things on the labels now you wonder, are you really getting food in there anymore? <laughs> and there should be no more curse. But the throne of God and the Lamb shall be in it, and his servants shall serve him. They shall see his face, and his name shall be in their foreheads. Now notice this. There shall be no night there, there shall be no candle, neither light of the sun, for the Lord giveth them light, and they shall reign forever and ever. Um, if you turn back to, go to verse 23 of Revelation 21. Something else we find out about the light. Verse 23 of Revelation 21. There's a city in this marvelous place. The city had no need of the sun, neither of the moon to shine in it, for the glory of God did lighten it, and the Lamb is the light thereof. So when God's revealing who he is, he reveals himself in the Trinity immediately in Genesis. Let there be light. God's a trinity. He's a triune God. And when he decided to make man in his image, he made you and I triune beings. A spirit to communicate with him. A soul to have emotions and communicate with each other and a body to live in. A three-part being. Not another little God, but a, a body, a, a being in such a way we can you see, live in this dimension that he created and have fellowship with him in the spirit. But Jesus Christ is the light. He's the light we need. Many, many people have sight and see the physical sun and are blind and walking in darkness. The most important light is the light that God reveals in Genesis chapter 1, 1 through 3. The light of the world that separates light from darkness, the Lord Jesus Christ. Then something Wonderful, he goes on, this is the first day, it's good, and then he goes to the second day, the third day, and I'd like to show you something in the fourth day. 
as he's bringing things into being every 24 hours. And it's interesting, the day starts in darkness. God always likes to just bring things out of darkness to glorify himself. He starts with darkness and makes all things beautiful in his time. And so here we are in verse 14. God said, let there be lights, not light, lights in the firmament, space, in the heaven to divide the day from the night. So by this time, he's just taken his fingers and started spinning this tiny little speck in the universe. This is how tiny it really is. Uh, because we're made in relation to this little speck, we're even tinier. And so the speck seems big to us. But you see, we're in the middle of omnipotent creation. There, God is infinite, so there's no end to small. We just don't know how small it is because we don't have the scientific advantage yet to look and get smaller. And you see, large doesn't end. We, in our existence, are in the middle of infinity. We're just a little speck. But yet it says all of his thoughts are about you and I. They're only good. God's thoughts of you and I are as the sand of the sea, and they're only good. Let them be for signs and for seasons, for days and years. Let them be for lights in the firmament of the heaven to give light upon the earth. And so it was. And God made two great lights, the greater light, the sun, to rule the day, and the lesser light to rule the night. The cat generate its own light. It can only reflect the light of the sun. And then he made the stars also. They just didn't explode into something out of nothing. The one who loves you so dearly that made himself a human being and walked this earth to rescue us all in his time to make everything beautiful that we damaged and destroyed that is very close to happening again. He's going to restore everything. You see, he's the one that did it. It tells us in Colossians that our Lord Jesus Christ holds all things together. He's holding the universe together. And as this fisherman named Peter saw one day, he's going to release it. And all the elements are going to disperse and melt with fervent heat. And then there's a new creation, a new heaven, and a new earth where you and I dwell forever in glorified state. He made the stars. That's the redeemed. It speaks of the redeemed. There's a beautiful picture here. You see, the Lord Jesus Christ is the light of the world and it's his light and energy. He's the one that produces all light. And all, you see, you have a picture of the church also. Oh, scarred, hated, persecuted. But it can only reflect the light. And it's much smaller than the sun. No brilliance of its own. And see, there's, that's the glory of the church that is reflecting the light of the sun. And the stars are the redeemed. They're to give guidance and direction. Your life, my life, as God shines upon the church, you see, God wants to use you to give direction in life, just as the mariners use the stars in a physical sense to even find this nation. But something happened that maybe you haven't seen or you don't think about it much. What took place after the Lord would create it? He said, it is good, it is good, it is good, it is good. To the sixth day when he created Adam and Eve, then he said, it's very good. But it's also interesting to see what God doesn't say 
after the creation of each day. On day two, he didn't say it was good because something happened. Something was in the heart of a created being before time began who was that time the preeminent one and now he sees that a man is going to give glory to God and this preeminent one, it troubled him. And it didn't take long that this one who used to be preeminent, who said he wanted to be a God, usurped the authority through sin from Adam. And all of a sudden, something happened. There's the virus in time. It didn't surprise God. You see, it didn't stop God from creating this angel and giving this angel beauty. But the angel wanted to be a God. He didn't want to reflect the glory anymore. He wanted the glory. And it's interesting what brought sin into the universe, you see, was not something that this angel named Lucifer did. It's something he thought. It was hidden in his heart. It's not an act that is sin. He said, I will, five times. And God knew that and saw that. Didn't bother God. He's the I am. He makes all things beautiful in his time. He's the one who tells us in Psalm 37, verse 1, fret not yourself for evildoers. They shall soon be cut down as the grass. And the more you read this book, the more you realize that God Almighty is controlling everything. You have nothing to fear, but just trust him. It didn't bother God at all knowing what Lucifer would do because he knew that he could override it with his grace and his love. No problem for God. Any more than when he did become a man and walk the earth, he could pick a Judas knowing what Judas was. Again, to prove his glory and his omnipotence, and no matter what Satan does, I will work it to the good. I'll make all things beautiful in my time. And that goes for your personal life, my personal life. Whatever you've happened has happened to you or you're experiencing now. The creator of the universe says, I will make all things beautiful in my time. I'll fix things. And it's interesting, in his time, he did come to fix things. It's interesting. There are two places in the Bible, and I, I seem to think and believe with some Bible scholars that there's something beautiful in this that God designed. He says a year with the Lord is as a thousand days, a thousand days is a year. Well, it's interesting. 4,000 years or four days since Genesis 1, another Adam came. It's going to fix things. The last Adam. Turn to Matthew chapter 3. The first Adam fell. So the Lord says, well, I'm going to fix things. He does it personally for you and I. This young boy, Billy Gallatin, his life, he's in darkness. He's fallen. He's been born with a sin nature. He doesn't know how to operate correctly. He can think correctly, but he doesn't have the power to act correctly. And so, you see, he comes as the last Adam. He's going to fix Billy. He's going to fix Sarah, Maureen, Richard, Harold, whoever they may be in his time. And so here he comes. The last Adam's not going to fail. The last Adam is going to be tempted just like the first Adam by the very same creature. And he's going to be defeated. It's interesting. He's, he's defeated by doing nothing but quote scriptures from the Old Testament. And then by the last Adam, 
giving his life as a sacrifice for us all. Instead of sinning against God the Father to survive and go and exercise his own will, the last Adam, for the love of the Father, gives his life and dies rather than do his own will. Nevertheless, Lord, not my will, but thy will be done. And he drank of that cup. But it's interesting what takes place when God comes to fix things. And it's interesting, it's four days or 4,000 years later, and it's identical with Genesis 1-4, when the creation of the sun, the moon, and the stars. Look at verse 13 of Matthew chapter 3. Jesus is going to begin his ministry, or the last Adam, as Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians 15. Jesus comes from Galilee to Jordan under John to be baptized of him. But John forbade him, saying, I have need to be baptized of thee, and comest thou to me? You know, this is his first cousin. He's, having, he's, you know, he's, he's got the realization now that he's been you know, living and, and growing up with God, his first cousin. He's older physically, but he realizes now this is the eternal God. It's my first cousin. I have need to be baptized of thee, and comest thou to me? And Jesus said something very interesting to him. Jesus answering said unto him, Suffer it to be so now, for thus it becometh, and he says, us, to fulfill all righteousness when he suffered him. And this us is the Trinity. It's the us who in Genesis said, let us make man in our image. It's the us of Genesis chapter 1. God the Father, God the Spirit, the light, God the Son. What's he have to do to fulfill all righteousness? You see, he's coming to fix things and make all things beautiful. He did it once in the beginning, and it was defiled. Now he's going to fix it. He's coming again. And there's a a new beginning in Jesus Christ. Notice, the law that was given didn't make them any better. It didn't fix things. The law can't fix things. It can only make things worse and show me that I'm guilty. If I weren't already guilty and it wasn't already in my heart, you see, God never would have had to give the law and say, thou shalt not. It wouldn't be an issue. It becometh us to fulfill all righteousness and then he suffered him. What did he fulfill? What did he show us all? That no matter what Satan does in the past with a life that God has something wonderful designed for, it doesn't catch God off guard and it doesn't limit God in his omnipotence and his grace and his mercy and his forgiveness and his love to override it and rescue and fix things and make all things beautiful in his time. And it's every life here. Look at verse 16. Jesus, when he was baptized of the water went up straightway out of the water. He's standing in the water. 
He's ready to walk out of the River Jordan. And the heavens were opened unto him. And what did John see? The Spirit of God hovering or lighting upon him like a dove. And then what's the next thing he hears? Exactly what God said in the beginning. When the Spirit moved upon the waters and he said, let there be light, and he said, it was good, he does it again. And lo, a voice from heaven saying, this is my beloved Son whom I am well pleased. You have Genesis 1 through 3 all over again being fulfilled. This time it's fixed. Jesus has come to fix it. He'll fix your life. He'll make all things beautiful in his time. All you have to do is put your trust in him. Say, Jesus, fix me. Make my life beautiful. I remember as a child, I remember when I was getting good grades in school and, they, and everybody thought I had such a future. And I remember... In the beginning, you molded and shaped and made something wonderful, but something happened. I'm nowhere near what my parents thought I'd be or what I thought I would be. Something's happened in my life that I never would have dreamed I could have done. And people tell me I'm worthless, and I do. I feel worthless. I know what my life has been. It doesn't have to stay that way. He's come. The Spirit of God will move upon your life. And God will say to you, This is my beloved Son. Hear ye Him. He'll make all things beautiful in His time. He came and fulfilled it. He fulfilled all righteousness. And you have a new beginning. To counteract what took place at that second day. What was in the heart of someone who... He couldn't stand to have something lower than him, a human, have the preeminence and the glory of God on the earth. Man, Adam. And God still wants to bring glory to himself, not through the angels, through you, through me. And make all things beautiful in his time. Shall we pray? Heavenly Father, we thank you that nothing happens without your sanction or understanding or knowledge. You're aware of everything that's going to take place. You're the I Am, the Alpha and the Omega. And it'll be quick, Lord. Time will be no more. We'll be in eternity with you. In fact, Lord, it says we will see you as you are. We will be like you. What the first Adam lost through sin, Lord, you as the last Adam will give it to us. You've taken our unrighteousness that we might have your righteousness. And we thank you, Lord, that you didn't give up. You love us so much that you had the Spirit of God move upon our lives. And we thank you, Father, that you think it is good it's good to see the light the light of the world and to have the blinders removed and to see you as you really are how loving and forgiving and wonderful and omnipotent you are
In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.